Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Now you're welcome back to the third hour of Limerick Today. And Alison O'Connor has been writing in the Irish Examiner saying that women have been the ones to pick up the most during this pandemic. The most, if not all of the slack when it comes to childcare homeschooling and keeping the household running during COVID. Do you agree with this statement? If you do, or if you don't, get in touch with us this morning on 086-123-9595. You can WhatsApp or text that number with dinnersready.ie. We're joined on the programme this morning by UL Feminist President Idana Flynn, Councillor Olivia O'Sullivan and Limerick Mother in Sociology Lecturer and Psychotherapist Karen Sugru. You're all very welcome to the programme this morning. Um, if I can start with yourself, first of all, uh, Karen do you think it's true? Do you think Alison O'Connor, I mean, she's got a few stats there from uh, the World Health Organization and the United Nations uh, talking about, you know, the amount of work that women do in the home and ha- how this has changed. But on an anecdotal level, do you think that w- women have picked up more of the slack during the pandemic? Good morning, Gillian. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, and I'm delighted that you're having this conversation because I think the conversation itself is extremely, extremely important. There is no question but that women are picking up the slack. And what was very interesting about uh, the article in, uh, that you referred to is that she talks about a 1950s housewife stereotype. Now, the stereotype she's talking about is of a time when women would have had one job and it would have been to take care of the home and the children. And what we are looking at now is a situation where women are balancing several jobs, two, three, four, sometimes five different tasks. So it is an order of magnitude different to just an old stereotype. And I think that although the article is very interesting and it calls attention to a really, really big problem that's happening at the moment, I think that that, that it is actually a much bigger conversation than the article allows for. Because women are um, and have been for many decades double jobbing. So the double jobbing um, has been talked about in terms of being second shift. Women have been going out to work and they've been coming home doing the second shift of childcare and housework and so on. And what happened, and, and, and that has been managed by kind of a patchwork of care that women have put together like a jigsaw of, of things like grandparents and parents and the, the, the moms of friends and so on, mostly a network of women that have helped them. And in one week last year, that entire network of, of care um, options that women had was taken away. And so I think that what we're looking at is a much, much bigger, much more prevalent problem than the article even even allows for. Would you agree with that, uh, Idana? Idana is a former UL feminist president and she's with us as well this morning. Uh, hi, yeah, absolutely. Um I mean, in terms of the recent data, Ireland's Economic and Social Research Institute uh, collected, it said that, you know, pre-COVID, um, women on average performed over 13 hours of housework a week and over 10 hours of unpaid work and more so than male counterparts. And the responsibility of, of care for not just children, but for elderly parents also tends to fall more on women. So the, the carer role is very much pushed 
um, on women and even more so during the global pandemic because naturally older people are more vulnerable and kids have to be homeschooled. Um, so it does seem that the responsibility is very much falling to women. But, um, there, but there have been dads homeschooling as well. I mean, it isn't fair to say that, you know, it's it's only been women doing it. Oh, of course. Um, and it, the thing is, as well, is there's several other factors as well that contribute to women being more impacted. I mean, you know, we only account for 39% of the global employment rate and we are accounting for 54% of overall job losses as a result of the pandemic as well. Um, I think this generation of parents, you know, we do see men are far more involved in parenting. It's less being the sole breadwinner and more being at home. But at a disproportionate rate, women are expected to take on um, more caring roles, particularly in, in Ireland. And Councillor Olivia Sullivan is with us as well. And, you know, whether people agree or disagree about the division of uh, work in the home, one thing is a proven fact is that there are more women working in healthcare. So therefore, they are more impacted by what's going on at the moment. And I mean, the the knock-on problem here is that policy decisions are largely made by men. It's true. And it's an absolute case for why we need more women at every table where decisions are being made. Um... Like good things have been happening for families, I guess, up to this point of the pandemic, because we had the introduction of paternity benefits and then extended parental leave up to 26 weeks and then extending paid parents' leave. And that's coming in next month. And we saw progress for things in the workplace. Every small step is, is progress. You know, the, um, last month, the, um, the HSE introduced breastfeeding breaks, for example, to support mothers in the first two years of the child's life. All these things are small steps, but if we keep taking them, we keep building towards, you know, a better um, position for women in the workplace, women and families. But Can I take you up on the paternity thing, right? Because we know that the uptake of paternity leave is pretty poor. Should paternity leave become compulsory? Because until men start taking it, women will always be at a disadvantage. Women will always be seen as potentially a more difficult employee because, you know, they could be taking time off from maternity leave. If the, if the men decide, oh, I'd be frowned on if I take time off just because I've had a new baby, if they're not made to take it, we're never going to have equality in the workplace. Yeah, it's very difficult. Obviously, it's paid paternity leave at, um, at the welfare rate. There's no um, onus on employers for for any top-ups and that. So, you, I mean, you have to, I suppose, appreciate that people will be in different financial circumstances. So I'm not sure if we can force paternity leave in the way it's set up at the moment because that might be putting people in very precarious financial positions. So there's a lot of work to be done around it. Um, they, I don't know. I, I mean, I think what's going on now since the pandemic despite the progress that's been made made before that, is that whatever's been happening already in homes is been amplified and exaggerated now. So if a woman was already picking up the slack, now she's doing it even more so since COVID. And if this woman is working, then she's being put in an unrealistic and unsustainable position. It puts a huge burden and stress on her. Um, ahead of coming on today, I ran uh, a poll on my Instagram and on my Facebook page asking um, are women picking up the slack just to get people's responses to see what they what they felt and overwhelmingly on Instagram it was an 80% yes and on Facebook it was an 85% yes um, that women were picking up the slack so this will tell you what other people are feeling about it. Um, but Olivia was it mostly women responding? 
We had, there was a lot. Now there were men responding too, but there was mostly women. Yeah, I, I would love yeah. to hear from, from the men this morning. Do WhatsApp or text us with dinnersready.ie on 086 123 95 and, and tell us if we're wrong. Tell us if you're doing all the homeschooling and your wife's putting her feet up. Um, because we, we want to hear your point of view. In fact, it's interesting because uh, Julie's been in touch with us. Julie, I'm going to make an assumption here, is a woman. Um, And she says, I blame women. Uh, When I came home from work, I didn't start a second shift like that lady said. I did what I could in the house, as did he. When he didn't bother, neither did I to make a point. You should have seen the state of the house. It forced the conversation and now we are both organised at home, says Julie. Well, Karen, I mean, Julie's making a point there that sometimes women are their their own worst enemies. (laughs) and and I take her point, of course. Um, but I think that when we're looking at when we're looking at these issues, we have to look at the broader picture and we have to look at the the research that's out there. And it's really, really clear about the amount of care work that women do. And what's what's also very interesting is that while some women might be in a position to be quite resourced and and confident around um, having that discussion with a partner, that wouldn't be the case for all women. And there's a lot of voices missing from this conversation. So, for example, there is a huge amount of vulnerability out there. Councillor O'Sullivan mentioned about women who um, have are already under pressure, who who the, the, the pandemic has really disproportionately impacted. And I have a huge concern for women who may not have have been uh, managing even before the pandemic hit. So last year in the general election, there was a report that came out around that time that people who were caring and carers, they were struggling then, and that was before the pandemic hit. Now, carers would have been at that time um, relying on daycare centres, respite care, and of course, the informal network that we all rely on of, of support. And again, for those people within one week, all of those things were gone. And I wonder how they have been since because those voices are lost. Voices like women in the travelling community, um, I wonder how they've been getting on. Women in direct provision. I have enormous concern for women in direct provision for many, many reasons um, to do with space and privacy and so on. But also because um, because of the pandemic, the um, the, the, the people who go out to check the, the places are no longer doing that. So there's a lot of concerning aspects to this discussion that really, really need to be looked at and a lot of voices that need to be brought in that simply aren't. Idana, do you think we hear enough of these voices? I mean, here we are, we're f- four women having this conversation and I'm getting texts in from women and the men are very quiet. Why do you yeah, think that I, is? I think there's an awful lot of, of voices that um, are not in this conversation. You know, there are so many different socioeconomic socioeconomic backgrounds to take into account. Um, But also when it comes to men, I mean, men obviously need to be taken more seriously as parents. You know, I worked as a babysitter, so I made money when I was a teenager and I was an all pair for a few years. I can tell you that, you know, men's parents, the role of the parent, you know, as as it is for men, isn't taken very seriously. I mean, they are considered babysitters themselves of their own children. Um, And I think... You know, paternity leave does need to be taken into consideration, not just for the nuclear family setup, but for same-sex couples as well. You know, like if you have two men and they have a kid, you know, which one of them is supposed to is one of them supposed to stay at home? That doesn't work in this economy. You know, both parents are under pressure to work, um, and all of these issues can and do coexist, but they don't 
disregard or belittle the other issue. Um, women being disproportionately affected by the pandemic is a valid issue, but so is the role of men, the pressures on men. The two of them can and absolutely do coexist. Well, it, it was only a matter of time before a man got in touch with us and Tony in Corbally is very annoyed. Uh, he says he hasn't time to talk as uh, I'm emptying the dishwasher, he says. I'm livid listening to you and I have to do a school pickup. I'm also getting the dinner ready for my wife later. It all comes down to communication, says Tony. He says he won't come on the show as he doesn't have time because uh, he's so busy. Uh, Polly has been in touch. She says, you're still judged as a woman in society by family members. You can have it as equal as you like in the home, but someone walks in and prays praises the hubby when he makes the breakfast. Isn't he great? No one praises the woman if she makes the breakfast, says Polly. And, uh, you know, I think Tony's great in Corbley. Tony's obviously doing, you know, a a huge amount uh, in the home. But Polly makes a point. When a man does that, it is seen as something that is out of the ordinary. Whereas, you know, when a woman does it, it's just almost expected. Would you agree with that, Karen? I do. I think that there is an assumption around care and caregiving that it will be the role of the woman. And I think that there's a lot of talk about the gender pay gap. But what has really come to the fore in the last year with the pandemic is around the the care gap. If you look at the stats on the gender pay gap, what we see is that actually the gender pay gap doesn't become apparent until people have children. At that point, men tend to earn more and women tend to earn less. And that's because the burden of care work tends to go on to women. And women then make choices around that to do with care. And it's not only children, it's caring. So the vast majority of carers in Ireland are women and they are caring for uh, elderly relatives or vulnerable family members as well as children. And this is where the real issue is. It's this notion that the care piece needs to be the woman's piece. And I think that what has really happened in the last year is that a light, that the pandemic has shone a light on the extent to which we are prioritising men's time and their careers and allowing women to take these these roles um, and double jobbing, quadruple jobbing. And I think there's going to be huge collateral damage. One thing I'm particularly worried about is women's health. So if you look at the statistics for women's health, we have usually been uh, much better at going to the doctor and getting things diagnosed. But that, if you look at it a little bit deeper, is because women tend to bring the children to the doctor more often. And while they're there with the children, they then say to the doctor at the end, oh, listen, by the way, you know, whatever, this, this, that and the other. Now, those things haven't been happening in the last year. And I have a real concern that we're going to have huge collateral issue around women's health. Um, now, this is something that's very close to my own heart because I was diagnosed with breast cancer last year. Um, and really, the, the learning of that is that we have to go immediately. And the doctors and the the staff in UHL are saying that people are just not going at the moment. So I think that when we talk about the care gap, we're talking about a huge burden of care that falls onto women. And then we're seeing that their health and their well-being are taking very much a second or a third place in, in the scheme of things. And that's going to be very damaging for women. I think this year has shown a huge amount about the, um, the, the, the extent to which women are able to manage. And I think a point has been reached and women simply cannot do 
all the things all the time. I'm quite excited to see what's going to happen next in terms of women's activism. I think Councillor Sullivan talked about women's representation. Um, at the moment, there's only nine women out of 40 in Limerick Council, and Limerick City and County returned seven men to the Dáil. So I'm very interested about the next election cycle to see that can we get more strong women's voices like Councillor O'Sullivan and the women of the caucus into, into elected office. Yeah, I'm going to leave the last words now with you, uh, Councillor Olivia O'Sullivan, as uh, the public rep and uh, a woman as well. How do we get more women in there? You know, we saw this week a lot of controversy over the Mary Lou MacDonald cartoon. Uh, Councillor Lisa Donovan uh, publishing on Twitter uh, an anonymous letter she was sent. This stuff, you know, people are claiming it's putting women off, but it, it could be argued as well as part of politics, like how we've got to get women there. We've got to get women making policies. We do. We absolutely do. Um, I should say, I, um, I, I'm Karen mentioned there about her having breast cancer, and I know Karen, and I followed her journey, and she's been a tremendous advocate for asking people to get checked to go forward. So she's been her. She's been very public about her journey, and she has to be commended for it. And oh, thank I you. That about women's health, if it's okay, if I can pick up on that, women's support include time with friends, that shoulder to lean on, and, and that's another. Um, things that have been taken away from with the pandemic, we can't meet up. So women are, are currently seeking other support, and I think the health includes the the wine o'clock and the uh, the the home drinking that's going on at the moment. You know, many of us are able to enjoy a drink at home, but I think that there is quietly there is big problem that's going to be emerging, and I'm sure there's plenty plenty of men that um, are, you know are consider themselves probably. Um, drinking too much at home as well. So, like the health issues around this are going to be tremendous. I think when we have to deal with this. But Julian, sorry to to respond to the question that you asked. We to get more women, we need more women to run. We need more women, more women to stand for election. And that's um, that's 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 ultimately what it comes down to. Um, I had a motion in the um, the recent metropolitan um, meeting that was passed asking for the council to adopt some recommendations that came from a report issued for International Women's Day that want to um, make the role of a councillor more transparent and try and make it a more supported role and to uh, make it more appealing as a role. Because someone asked me, um, why are women deterred from it? And I said, I don't think women are deterred. I think they're just not attracted to it because it doesn't seem like an attractive position. Uh, and we need, um, we need more... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like women think everyone... You know, that you need to be... You need to consider yourself extraordinary to run for this kind of a job. So it's, it's about ordinary people or the study of ordinary men in politics. We need, I consider myself an ordinary woman, you know, that decided to, to take this role. So we need all the ordinary women to stand up to, you know. And, and sometimes I think women, we just don't put enough faith in ourselves. We just don't, you know, um, think of ourselves in that context. Whereas if we have more women at the decision-making table then there will be better outcomes for women at the end of the day. Okay, well, we have to leave it there from this morning. Um, We are getting a few angry texts from the men. I'll bring those to you uh, later on in the programme. But for now, thanks to... Sorry, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't say I actually have a fabulous husband, a man (laughs) just like Tony, that allows me to do the work that I do. So I better get that in. (laughs) You better if you want your dinner. Um, Thanks to Councillor Lisa uh, um, Olivia O'Sullivan, to UL Feminist (laughs) President, uh, former UL Feminist President, President Dana Flynn and also to Limerick Mother Sociology Lecturer and Psychotherapist Karen Sugo. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. 
Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.